When I was growing up, the old-timers used to say there's only two things in life that are inevitable. Some of you old-timers remember what those were? Death and taxes. And as you grow older, you in front of me, you realize taxes is inevitable. And if Jesus tarries, we will all uh, experience death. But other things are inevitable. Report cards, correct? Final report cards. Repeating the grade over again if we don't do well on the final report card. Uh, You have things at work that are inevitable. You have things in life that are inevitable. Well, this morning in 2 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to look at something that's not real pleasant, but it's unavoidable. As long as you're here on this earth... Unless you go live in a monastery by yourself or on a deserted island. This is something that you are going to experience while you're here. it's, It's inevitable. Other people will hurt you. Not a beautiful way to start a sermon, but a very correct way. Other people in life are going to hurt you. In 2 Timothy 4... We're ending Paul's last letter. Remember, if you've been here, he was in the infamous maritime prison, basically a dungeon. To get to it, you had to go through a hole in the ground to to get to it. He's probably chained to a guard uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He, uh, He knows he's probably going to die soon. This was his second arrest and imprisonment. And boy, what we're going to see this morning is people that he had poured his life into and loved on were going to really slam him to the ground. And I want to tell you something this morning, guys and girls, young and old, that if people would hurt and betray and let Jesus down, if they would hurt and betray and let Paul down, they're going to hurt and betray and let us down too. It's, it's part of life. It's part of the gig. Now, I want to throw this kind of disclaimer out here too. Don't you be the person who goes through life hurting people. Don't you be that person. If you are, I'm just going to be real blunt and tell you, you're working for Satan. You're not working for the Savior. When you go through life hurting and disrespecting and slamming and and, and really bringing pain into people's life, that's demonic. That's not of Christ. But our main subject this morning is this. Other people are going to hurt you. They, they just are. Let me share with you a few ways that you and I experience hurt that Paul was in chapter 4. Here's the first thing. People just leave us. And I don't mean this right now in a, in a bad way, just in a normal way of life. Verse 9 through 12 do your best to come quickly. You, you see an urgency in Paul. You see a, a passion. You see a, a hurting. He, he's telling Timothy who he loves, you need to get here. You need to get to me. You need to get to me as quick as you can. For Demas, because he loved the world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Demacia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. Because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychus to Ephesus. Now, we're going to talk about Demas, the, the bad guy here, in a moment. But the first, the first three people mentioned 
they left Paul, and we got a map here of the different places they, they went. Paul is in Rome. You see that? Quit t- say, I can point to you. Josh, quit talking. I can point to you. You're not talking. I'm just teasing. But there's Rome. Okay, they, they went to uh, Damascia, Thessalonica, Iconium, Ephesus. Now, an inch is about 300 miles on this map. And you've got to remember, this is a day and age before... Southwest Airlines, American Airlines, Amtrak, uh, cars, uh, boats with motors in them. So to travel anywhere, you travel by foot, you travel by a donkey, or you traveled by a boat that was powered by wind or by people uh, who were, were pretty buff pulling it. And it took a long time to get anywhere. So when someone you loved went 900 to 1,200 miles from you, that was a long, long, it's a long way today, unless you're flying. It was a long, long way then. And the, the thing about these first group that we're going to see uh, that include Titus and it, that funny name, Tychus, and, and, uh, and, and these guys, they weren't leaving Paul out of meanness. They were leaving Paul to fulfill their ministry. In fact, that Tychus was going to Ephesus as Timothy was coming from Ephesus to Rome. Tychus was going to Ephesus to replace Timothy there. And so these guys weren't leaving Paul in a bad sense. They were leaving Paul to go and fulfill their calling in their life. But you know what? The, the pain and the heartache Paul felt was still very real. John Maxwell, who is a great writer and leadership expert, says one of the sad things of life is that some people we start the journey with, we don't end it with. Not because they're mean or they betray us or they desert us, but just things happen. People retire. People move. They take another job. God forbid they even die, and and they're not with us anymore. And that's lonely and that's sad. That's part of life. People hurt us, and they're not even meaning to hurt us. It just happens. We don't always end the journey with some people we'd like to end the journey with. But here's the second thing today that's much worse. Some people just aren't going to be there for us. Some people, I want to make it personal, they're not going to be there for you. They're not going to be there for me. They're not going to be there for us. Now, let's go back to Demas in verse 10. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. The word deserted there, it's just as bad as you think. It It literally means to forsake somebody. It means somebody that's in need, that has, that has concerns, that needs help, that needs support, that, that the person who should have given them support and love and encouragement walked off and walked away from them. It's sadly interesting. Demas is mentioned two other places in the New Testament, in Colossians 4 and, and in Philemon. And he's mentioned in a good light. He apparently had been a strong leader for Jesus Christ. He had been a great friend to Paul. But something happened. And, and his heart turned from the love of Jesus Christ and a love of Paul to chasing after the things of the world. And when Paul needed him the most, he walked away. Guys, I want to tell you something. And it's really not any good, but it's so true. There's going to be people you're going to give your life to. You're going to give your money to. Your love to. Your effort to. Your time to. Your wisdom to. And you're not even billing them for it. 
And when you need them the most, they're going to walk away from you. In verse 16, it says, At my first offense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. But everyone deserted me. The Roman legal process is that Paul, getting ready to stand ultimately before Nero the emperor, would have gone through several stages of trials. And in his first trial, when he's standing there, and it's a life or death issue, and when you need people there behind you to say, I'm with you, I'm supporting you, I'm your friend, you've been there for me, I love you. You know what Paul said? Everybody walked away from me. Wow. I want to tell you this morning, if it can happen to Paul and it happened to Jesus, it can happen to you and me. There's going to be times in your life, guys, when you're going to pour yourself into people. You're going to give them your heart. You're going to really think, they're my friends. And then you're going to turn around, they're not going to be there. Isn't this positive? It's going to get better, I hope. Just don't go to sleep yet. But that's life. And you've got to wonder how Paul felt. Here he is in this prison. And the people that he gave everything but his own heart and own hands, literally, left him. And he's cold and he's lonely. You've got to wonder what's going through his mind. I read this week about a, a book written by a neuroscientist at the University of Chicago. The book entitled is, is Loneliness. And in this book, he describes some of the research they did studying loneliness. And they, they took, a, uh, took a group of senior citizens who lived by themselves and did not have family near. And over the course of several years, they, they tested them in many ways. One way, they drew blood from them. One thing they began to notice is that people who were very lonely and felt alone, they could tell a difference in their white blood cell count. And in this book, the neuroscientist says that they determined that the lonely people, the effect it had literally on their body was affecting the way their genes were being expressed. If you've been heartbroken or you've been let down by people and you go, you know, boy, it just, it just hurts. I think medical science proves, yeah, it probably does hurt from the inside out. Mother Teresa, the great nun, who spent many, many years working with people with leprosy, with AIDS, the worst diseases here on earth. Here's what she said. The worst disease for humanity is loneliness. It's when you feel deserted, when you feel by yourself, and you feel like no one's there for you that should have been there for you. I would agree, wouldn't you? Well, let's get a little bit worse. <laughs> sometimes not only people desert you, sometimes they will intentionally hurt you. You say, preacher, why are you telling us all this? Well, it's in the Bible, number one. Number two, you absolutely need to hear this stuff. Sometimes people will intentionally smack you. In verse 14 and 15 in your Bibles, it says, Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. 
The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. There's three times in the Bible in the New Testament where Alexander is mentioned. One is in the book of Acts. The other is in 1 Timothy 1. And then here, probably the one mentioned in 1 Timothy 1 and here are the same person. He was a coppersmith. And Paul basically is saying this. Paul's saying, this guy is evil on the inside. And, and listen, and he brought evil into my life. He strongly opposed our message. That literally is saying that he spoke violently about me, about Christ, about what we were doing. In other words, here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, is I tried to be a missionary. I tried to live for Christ. I tried to serve Jesus and do what's right. Here was this guy, listen, probably a religious person who slandered my character, slandered my name, and did everything he could to bring harm into my life. Listen, I want you to wake up. Young people, you need to hear this. There, there are mean people out there. There are people that got something wrong in their heart. And if you're halfway trying to be a leader, to live for Christ, to stand up for what's right, they're going to set their target on you, and they will hurt you. There's people who are messed up here, and they will try to mess you up. Oh, no, 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 that's not true. Yes, it is true. Yes, it is true. And if they would rain that down on Jesus, they would rain that down on Paul, they'll rain it down on us. That's reality. Now, here's the question. What do we do? We can't give the invitation right now, can we? (laughs) We know there's evil, mean people in the world. What do we do? In Texas a few years ago, Man got mad at his neighbor, had an enemy, thought his neighbor was doing, his, doing him wrong. Their, their gardens were right next to each other. They were feuding, may have been feuding over squash. Who knows what they were feuding over. One day, the guy had had enough. He goes inside, he gets his thirty-eight, and he gets his machete. Folks, if your neighbor comes at you with a thirty-eight and a machete, leave the scene. This guy didn't. They stayed and argued. The guy fired a pistol shot in the ground. At that point, the, uh, the neighbor who didn't have a weapon decided, maybe I need to go in at this point. He goes inside, the nut follows him and sticks the machete in his front door. Sometimes you'd like to do that, wouldn't you? None of you, because you're sweet Christians, but, you know, you have thoughts about that. But wh- that's not the right way to handle it. That guy went to prison. I'm going to give you some ways that God shows us to handle the evil person, the unfaithful person. Here's the first thing he says, and you're not going to like this probably. He says, forgive them. Forgive them. It's not just a church idea. It really is a good and a, a very right idea. I love what Paul says in verse 11. It'd be easy to let this get away from us. It says, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. This guy, Mark, is a guy named John Mark. And if you go back in the New Testament a little bit, 
he and Paul had a riff. Barnabas and Paul were buddies. They went on their first missionary journey together, and they took John Mark with them. Mark, in the middle of the journey, decided, I've had enough, and he quit, and he, he left them. They got back, and they got ready to go on a second journey, and Barnabas said, let's get Mark and take, take him with us. And you know what? Paul said, no, he's a quitter. He's not going with us. And Paul and Barnabas got into it so severely, they split. Paul took Silas with him. Uh, Barnabas took Mark with him. And through the years, I guess what happened is that Barnabas encouraged Mark, and Mark got things right, and he probably asked Paul for forgiveness. And I think Paul was wrong too. And he asked John Mark for forgiveness. And what you see is you see a great restoration. When you see that little thing, and it's several times in Paul's letters where he says, bring Mark to me. There's forgiveness there because there had been a strained relationship. In verse 16, it's very interesting what's said too. At my first offense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May God smite them with fire. No, it says, may it not be held against them. What, what does it mean to forgive? means to let it go. means to let it go. You know who Bernie Madoff was or is? Bernie Madoff may be the creep of the year or the creep of the decade. He was the Wall Street guy that literally built people out of billions of dollars. He's in prison for the rest of his life where he should be. One of the guys he built out of a ton of money was a Nobel Peace Prize winner who also sat on a foundation which had 15 or 16 million dollars with Bernie Madoff. They lost every penny of it. This man was interviewed and he was asked, can you ever forgive Bernie Madoff? And this Nobel Peace Prize winner said, absolutely not. He cost me every penny I had, my savings I had. He cost our company, everything we had, I will never forgive him. Folks, Bernie Madoff needs to be in prison, and you would never need to invest money with him again if he gets out of prison. But you know what? You and I have to forgive for our sake. Do you know that? What does it mean to forgive? It doesn't mean you don't defend yourself. Someone's slandering you. A a burglar's fixing a break in your house. Yes, you, you can defend yourself. But Forgiveness means that you don't retaliate. You don't stick the machete in their front door. That you don't strike back. We're going to see more of what forgiveness means in a moment. But forgiveness means you make a choice that you're going to let it go. You're going to let it go, okay? The first thing we do is we forgive them. Here's the second thing, and this is part of forgiveness. We are wise about that person. We're wise about that person. We use the brain and the gift that God has given us. In verse 15, you too should be on your guard against him. You see what Paul says? Paul says, Paul didn't say, hey, I've forgiven Alexander, and I want to encourage you to let him lead your Bible study. No, he says, you should be on guard against him because he's strongly 
opposed our message. Folks, when you understand that some people are messed up here, some people are messed up here, you are doing the right thing when you forgive and let it go, and you get, you, you get a long way away from that person. Some people aren't going to get it. Some people aren't going to get it right. One definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. A spinoff of that would be to be involved with the same people over and over and over who continue to do the same things over and over and expect a different result. Some people, unless there's a major league change or a wake-up, aren't going to get it. Young people, let me tell you this. I'll talk to you. Or if you're single today, if you're dating someone and you're single and they cheat on you, and you want to forgive them and bring them back, okay. The third time they do that, forgive them and tell them to hit the road, Jack, and don't look back no more, okay? Really. Forgiveness has boundaries. You've got a business partner who's cheating you. And you forgive them, and you bring them back in the business. And you do that a couple of times. You know, time number four, tell them to hit the road. Forgive them and cut them loose. Forgiveness has a brain. Forgiveness has boundaries. You are not someone else's punching bag. Some people are going to hurt you. They're going to hurt you intentionally. And forgiveness means that you're not going to be bitter You're not going to retaliate. You're going to let it go. But if they're going to continue to be a skunk, make sure you're not within smelling distance of that person. Okay? Forgiveness means that I let it go, but I also have wisdom about that person. Here's a a third thing he says. Turn them over to God. I love what Paul says in verse 14. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. Literally, when it says repay, it's, it's meaning God's going to reward that person for what they've done. Now, here, here's another spin on this. Sometimes somebody really didn't do us wrong. Maybe it was us. And we're waiting on God to get them, but God's not going to get them because God's just and he knows the full story. But sometimes, like in this case here, where Alexander had done Paul wrong, Paul said, I'm going to forgive him. I'm going to be wise about him. And I'm going to step back and I'm going to say, God, go get him. (laughs) Isn't that a good prayer? God, I really want to hit him right in the nose, but I know that's not your will. So, God, I'm asking you to get out the heavenly paddle and put it on them. True story. In Poland, a week or two ago, the dumbest man in the world, you're going to agree with me in a moment, is dating a dentist. They break up. They break up because the dumbest man in the world tells his dentist girlfriend, I have fell in love with someone else. Okay. Three days later, he begins to have a toothache. You know where this is going? The dumbest man in the world calls his ex-girlfriend, the dentist, and says, can you fix my toothache? And she says, why, I sure can. He goes in. She puts him under. I'm not making this up. He wakes up, and that tooth is perfectly fine. 
because it's not there anymore. And neither are any teeth in his mouth. She pulled every tooth in his mouth. Now, she's going to lose her dental license. She's going to go to prison. I want to tell you, dudes, dudes in front of me, if you're dating a dentist and you break up with her, don't go to her. This is even greater. His present girlfriend broke up with him because he doesn't look cute without his teeth. (laughs) You want to pull their teeth. I know you do. You're in church. You're just going to be too cute to say that. But sometimes you'd like to get in there and just pull at least one or two of them out, wouldn't you? So you're going to lie about me, huh? (laughs) Let God have them, okay? God knows where to get you, I promise. He knows where to get me. He knows where to get them. Here's the problem. God doesn't always get them tomorrow. I want God to pull their teeth tomorrow, don't you? You want to see them repentant, don't you? It may be 10 years. It may be 30 years. But if they continue on the wrong path sooner or later, what you sow, you reap. It'll get them. God will take care of them. Give them to God, okay? And here's the last thing. And, man, this is such a wonderful thing to hang your hat on. People desert you, people let you down, people hurt you. God will never fail you nor forsake you, okay? I know what it's like, and many of you know what it's like when people who you've cared about don't care about you for whatever reason. I know what it's like, like some of you or most of you know what it's like, when someone you've loved and you've thought you had a relationship with, you just don't anymore. But what a great truth that we see here. God is not going to go anywhere. In verse 17 and 18, it says, But the Lord stood at my side, and he gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me to safety, safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, look, in my worst hour, the people I loved and cared about walked away from me. They deserted me. They were Judases. (laughs) But Jesus Christ was right there with me. When I had to stand before that first Roman trial and I was shaking in my sandals and in my cloak, I realized that God is right here with me. And literally in verse 17, it says God infused him with power. God gave him vigor and strength in the midst of that trial. Folks, I want to tell you one of the greatest things there is to know is that Although people will hurt you and disappoint you and let you down, God's not going anywhere. God's going to walk through that trial with you no matter how hard or how hot it gets. And he's going to give you the strength and the endurance you need to make it through it. Several years ago, a Dutch artist named Johan decided God needed a cell phone. Wasn't that sweet of him? And so I guess there in Amsterdam, he got, literally got a cell phone number. He let people know about it. 
quickly, I mean within a few hours, there were over a thousand messages, people calling and leaving messages for God. You know, and I thought, hey, that's needed. And there's a lot of stories you could derive from that. But here's one I want you to get. You don't ever have to leave a message for God. You don't get a busy signal. You don't get a voicemail. God's always there for you. God's always available for you. Paul said, I was facing uh, the lion. And he could have been talking about literally the, the lions in the Roman Colosseum, our Nero, our Satan himself. But he said, God delivered me from that. I want to tell you, God is always going to be there for you and me, even when other people won't. If we'll look up and reach our hand out to him, God will be there for you. I read a story this week of a man who lost his wife. They were married 35 years and she died. They were 60. I used to consider that almost death at 60. Now I consider it upper middle age. And he was talking to some of his friends. He was a Christian. He said, you know, I just don't know what I'm going to do. And they, they began to point him to some passage in Scripture where it talked about God will never fail you and God will never forsake you no matter who leaves you or who deserts you or who's not there for you. God's going to always be there. And he said, as I began to get a hold of that, he said, I realize that's a promise you can sink your teeth in and get your hands and your heart around is that God's not going anywhere. And I want to tell you this morning, no matter how bad other people hurt you or let you down, God's going to always be there in your corner for you. And that is fantastic news. I want to ask you to pray with me if you would. If you're a Christian, I would say examine yourself on a couple of fronts. One, am I a person inflicting pain? That needs to be responded to in your life today. Certainly there are people here this morning that are hurting because we have been let down or disappointed by other people. Christian, reach out and re-embrace Christ this morning. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Right where you're seated, would you pray with me and just say, Jesus, I want to repent of my sins. I believe you're the Son of God who died and who arose for me. And Jesus, I ask you this morning to come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. Let me have your attention just for a second. In a moment, we're going to stand and and, and Michael is going to sing. And I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads. And to respond to what we've heard today. Maybe it'll be just where you're standing. Maybe you need to come to the altar or talk to a minister. You just prayed and asked Christ in your heart or you're ready to do that this morning. Step out today and come and give your life to Christ. Maybe you'd like to join our church family. One way you can do that this morning is by coming when we give the invitation and letting one of us help you do that. Come and join You need that support of a church family. Come join us today. And Christian, again, examine your heart. If you're you're the one that's been an unfaithful friend or 
family member. Repent of that. If you're the one today who's feeling the heartache and the crush of of, of being deserted, man, reach out and re-embrace Christ today. Where you're standing or at the altar, we'll be here waiting for you. Let's just stand and bow our heads. You respond now as God leads you.